Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. everybody and welcome to imagine this uh you're gonna join us today and we're gonna talk about some of uh your favorite plays from our play festival epiphanies i'm brashina i'm trent and i'm mackenzie and we're off um (laughs) i literally never do that intro right so it's always different Thank you to everyone who listens to me just talk on this podcast. Rashida was talking and I was like, is she going to say her name? <laughs> no, um, I, I also, I love that you were guessing. like, we're going to talk about some of your favorite plays. <laughs> and I was like, they don't even know what these plays are. And I know they've never read them because they're new plays that are unproduced and unpublished. Again, I say, I make it up as I go. Um, real fly by the seat of your pants kind of girl. Um, you know that's who I am <laughs> but let's talk about epiphanies <laughs> um, which is wild imagining wild imaginings international play festival new works festival um, more specifically yeah. so uh, d- tell me about it I mean I've been through it like three times <laughs> now but tell me what's tell us what's happening how does epiphanies like get started how yeah. did you how did you do that well I think I've talked about the origin story of mm-hmm. epiphanies before but it is it's it's my little baby you know um it's the first thing we did when we started Wild Imaginings was start this festival. And so this year we opened up submissions. We got like 300-ish plays submitted from across the country and even around the world a little bit. Um, And so we have a team of readers. Mackenzie was one of them with me. Um, I read an excessive number of them. I I read most of them. And then the rest of the readers read like a, a slightly less alarming number of them still a lot (laughs) mind you um but definitely less alarming than the number of them that i read um there are weeks of my life where i'm reading like 50 or 60 plays a week um and so (laughs) it but it's so fun um and so we we read these plays um and we have kind of an internal ranking system um about the you know whether it's a a 
pass, like, eh, we're not feeling it, or we move it forward, every play gets looked at at least twice so that we're making sure it's not, like, an oopsie, right? Because theater is subjective. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to miss out on, like, something amazing just because one person was like, I hate it. Mm -hmm. Um, So we, you know, have some internal checks to make sure that we don't accidentally pass on the next best amazing play. Mm-hmm. Um, but so we we go through these checks. We meet every couple of weeks, the team of readers do, so that we're on the same page. We're recognizing how many we're siphoning kind of through our funnel. And so by the time all the plays have been gotten through, we have a list of about 50 or 60. That's kind of our top chunk. And so from there, the whole team of readers reads those so that we can talk intelligently about them, be on the same page. And then we have a final meeting where we narrow down that list to 30 or less, which becomes our short list. Mm-hmm. We, once we, our submission started becoming so inflated, we wanted a way to recognize at least a small percentage of people beyond the eight that we're able to take forward to table readings because eight out of 300 is insane. I mean, that is like the top teeny, just top teeny percentage, right? Mm -hmm. It's less than 3% of the submissions that we get. And so we wanted a way to at least recognize just a next tier of people who deserve to be recognized for their work. So we created the short list. Um, and so we narrow it down from our top chunk down to 30 or less, which is comprises our short list. And then out of our short list, we choose eight plays. Um, it is grueling and you walk in not knowing what is going to happen, but then somehow you end up feeling really good about it by the end. And so, um, Bef- we're going to talk about those eight plays today because holy <laughs> wow, they're so good. Yeah. Um, I mean, they have to be out of 300 yeah. approximately, like out of I mean, 300 plays, here's, eight. Here's, here's how good they wow. are and how good they frankly have to be mm-hmm. is one of the plays that made it into the top eight was the second play I read. Huh. Out of prob out of probably two hundred plays that I read, and it had to stick with me through a hundred and ninety eight more plays. Like it had wow. to stick with me well enough that I still wanted it to be in the top eight after I'd read two hundred plays. Like that's that's mm-hmm. the level of skill that we're talking about that these writers have mm-hmm. that they're able to write something that like stays in your brain after you've read dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens more scripts. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so... Mackenzie, do you want to say anything about the process before we talk about the plays themselves, though? Um, The process is exhausting. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I read a lot of plays, not so much as Trent, but I read a lot of plays, and I read a large range of plays. Um, However, I will say, like, I read, like, a lot of them that were just, like, so refreshing and wonderful and had like really really amazing unique things to say and so like to read these new works and to like see all the potential that these plays like have and like to know that like ooh, this potentially could have its world premiere with us like I don't know that's like super cool it feels like a super unique process and it's it's super fun it's very challenging very tiring but I think it's pretty rewarding 
Yeah. Definitely rewarding. And it's, it, you know, so the next, this next phase is with these eight plays and these eight playwrights, we have developmental table readings. So it's just, it's a closed table reading. We p- give the script to actors and it's an opportunity for the playwright to interact with the actors who are involved and the creative team to get some feedback. Um, and the hope is that through that table reading and through that conversation, they'll come away with something that'll just help them with the script. You know, and in the years I've been doing this, that can range from anything from literally just line edits, like, oh, that doesn't read quite right, and they'll just fix words here and there, or cut that thing there. Like, it can range from anywhere from just minor edits like that, just to help things flow a little bit, all the way to, like, a full rewrite. Um, I mean, it's just, you never know what's going to spark, or what... Um, what actors giving voice to these words will do for a playwright or what a comment someone on the creative team makes that the playwright will go, oh, I need that. That's the thing that I've been wanting to take it to this next level. I mean, you just don't know when you walk into a room exactly what's going to happen. But so we have these table readings with these eight playwrights. And then of these amazing eight, we then choose four of them to take forward to the staged readings at our in-person festival in fall. Um, so in many ways, we've done so much of the hard work, but it's also still just beginning like mm-hmm. the rest of this process. Wow. That is, that sounds, that process sounds grueling just from like listening to it. And I've, <laughs> I've also been through it a couple times and not going to lie to you. When I was a reader, I was like, don't ever make me do this again. Um, <laughs> because I love reading plays, but that was so many plays, but this is so cool. So we're here today to talk about Epiphany. So tell us about the eight plays that we have um, for this year. I would love nothing more. <laughs> um, I, I get hyped when I talk about this festival. I just I just think it's something special. Mm-hmm. I And I love getting to read these plays, and I love getting to meet these playwrights that come up with these amazing plays. Yeah. So, um, in absolutely no particular order, um, let's talk about some plays. Mm-hmm. Um, We have Sunday the 30th, 3 a.m., Raining Slightly Drunk by Chandler Hubbard. And so I'll give just like the briefest of synopses about each of these. Um, This is a really interesting play. Um, It deals with a couple. Um, and this, we, you know, our last episode was about pride and queer representation. This Mm -hmm. play happens to be about a gay couple. Okay. And so it deals with something really interesting though that um happens that we don't talk about very often um it deals with this couple who have let a third into their relationship so we have a bit of a thruple situation um but one of the couple really thinks that it's done something for them he's like this is like breathed new life into our relationship like uh, you know i love you but i also love him and the other one is like he has to go. Oh, no. <laughs> so it's like, in some ways, it feels like this very mundane evening. You know, it's this couple arguing about their third, and then the third comes home, and so it's this whole awkward thing. But there's so much to unpack there, and there's some things in there that I'm not going to spoil. But well, the one other thing that I'll say is that one of the couple really has some internalized homophobia that he is dealing with. And maybe that has something to do with his dislike for the third. Maybe it doesn't, but it's an addition to the conversation that I think is really important. You know, in the LGBTQ community, this internalized 
feelings towards oneself is something that we don't talk a lot about, but we all know is there and that we have to deal with it. Um, and so the fact that it's in a play is really refreshing. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's a really fascinating one. Um, okay, Mackenzie, I would I would like you to um, summarize the next one. So because you're from Florida, so I feel like it's only appropriate. Um, you you'll oh, know. I know yeah, I was, it I took you a second, but you know which one it is. So um, the about. next one that we'll um, talk about is called "Abort the Mission" by Lisa. I'm gonna butcher her name. I'm sorry, Lisa Della Girino Fiorind. Yeah. Okay. This play is so unhinged. Um, it, as you can tell by the title, um, it, it does deal with like abortion laws and stuff like that. And it is set in Florida. It's, <laughs> it's, it's so on the nose, um, which I was like a little bit afraid of at first, but I just, oh, it's so good. It's unhinged. It's poignant. It's hilarious. It's like kind of like really dark, very dark. It's not kind of dark. It is dark um but hilariously so dark mm -hmm. oh it's yeah dark comedy I, yeah i guess it's a dark comedy oh it's so good um i'll read you the little the little mini blurb that we have on our website um three baby boomer women take matters into their own hands as they fight for the second time to secure access to safe legal abortions a comedy about things that aren't funny <laughs> Because it's not. Women's rights are not funny. Love that. It's fabulously funny. A comedy about abortion. You know, I like it. <laughs> Crazy enough, it was not the only comedy about abortion that we got this year. I like it, though. Like, here's the thing. Abortion is such a serious topic. And it's really, really comical. Or it's like one of those laugh or you're going to cry type scenarios where mm -hmm. we don't have access to a very vital piece of women's health care and so yeah laugh, laugh or cry i choose laugh um yeah <laughs> so okay play three are you ready mm -hmm. it's called national bohemians it's by luke sorge this play um is one that i liked more than I thought I would, right? You know, it, it just depends on personal taste. But I read the synopsis and I was like, eh. and then I read it and I was like, oh, <laughs> right. It just it didn't seem like it was my cup of tea. And then it, it very much was as I kept reading. Right. Which is always fun to be surprised. But this one is about three adult children and brothers. So <laughs> um, three adult gotcha. brothers and their mother is has been in not hospice care, but she might soon need hospice care. Mm -hmm. And so one of the children would like to assist her suicide, mm -hmm. um, which is like maybe even an unfair way to frame that. Right. Mm -hmm. But we have this concept in America of physician assisted suicide. Mm -hmm. And he basically wants to do that because he says it's her wish. The other one is like, no, absolutely not. And then you have a daughter of one of the sons get involved. And so you have now this generational gap. And so it's this family drama that unfolds, but there's all these bits and pieces that come into play and there's a storm raging outside. I mean, it's just, oh boy. it is so relatable. Like, you are or at least know one of these characters in this play. Mm -hmm. This is a conversation that your family 
could have. You know, it's just that kind of play. Um, and it, it's really it's really good. And I think it's a conversation that Americans are terrible at having. We like to pretend death doesn't exist. <laughs> and then we have lavish funerals. It's very confusing. But, yeah. you know, we it's so it's a conversation I think is really important. But it's couched in just a really well-written family drama. And the characters are beautiful. with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mackenzie, you get the next one. Okay. Um, oh, okay, 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 okay. Um, I, okay. Oh, I'm so biased. It's very apparent that I'm very biased. Um, this next one is called Not the Myth by Paige Goodwin. And this one is, is very feminist. And it is like all of these like, really iconic like women from like history and mythology like Medea and Medusa and Circe and um Persephone and, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg shows up and <laughs> um <laughs> they're 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 running this thing in like an like another dimension plane of existence called the mythological man haters and company um which is a vengeance agency and athena shows up like answer answering like a job posting and so like their goal is to get rid of every male god so that the women can start doing things correctly um and it's just very unhinged and women like reclaiming their stories but and like and not like necessarily like subverting like the mythology surrounding them and like what they did, but like taking ownership of it, I think, yeah. which is, mm -hmm. I think is more empowering. Um, and I, yeah, it's very empowering and it's, it's a little treat if you like mythology and history. It um, it's a uh, mythological it's man haters club. What's not to <laughs> <Yes. love? laughs> It's, it's so unhinged cool. and iconic and yeah. 
Yeah. You know you notice I let Mackenzie introduce the two unhinged plays. <laughs> it's her favorite word. But in this case it's true in both cases, mm-hmm. truly. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Those sound fun. Um, okay. So I have another one for you. Okay. It's called Hot Dish by Brendan Healy. So this is also about um, adult siblings. It's a brother and a sister. The Uh. brother is recently unemployed, and so he has moved in with his sister. So, you know, she's the one who, like, has it together. So she's wanting him to, you know, get a job. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he, um, however, is obsessed with this cooking competition. So he's spending all his time practicing with her food in her kitchen because his plan is to win champion chef. Obviously. And so (laughs) the play is really interesting because it kind of blends this cooking reality show vibe with this family drama. And then there's stuff that goes on with their mother and there's stuff that goes on with her ex. You know, it all just kind of starts spiraling. But the core of it is these siblings and his obsession with this cooking show. And so it creates a really interesting structure around an already interesting story. Cool. Your turn, Mackenzie, but if you take the one that you know I want, I'll hurt you. <laughs> There's only one more that I feel like I can actually talk about, so it might be that one. Um, well, then I you d- can't have it. It's mine. <laughs> okay, you can just do the rest then. It's fine. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You can do it. Uh, okay. Um, I wept for three hours on a plane over the Atlantic Ocean after reading this one. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> People in the row next to me were like, are you good? I was not good. Um, it's called Wicked Bitter Beasts by Kira Rockwell. Um, and it's a Latter-day morality play about about forgiveness or, as the playwright says, unforgiveness. And so it's about this girl um, and her relationship with her father. And it was it, it's it's very much about religion and purity culture and healing from trauma from that um and it's it's very biblical and i think like the way that it's kind of like sort of like a hell house um if you know what a hell house is mm-hmm. um and it's it's kind of like a it's it's very much in like a parable structure um and i just it yeah it it was a lot of reckonings and it was a lot of tears and the dad is sick and it's 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 a lot of feelings and a lot of emotions and like uh, like assessing your past and learning how to heal and learning how to forgive or not. Um, I won't answer that for you. Yeah. Um, and, and not because I necessarily like it more than the others, you know, my jesting with McKenzie about, I want this, I want to introduce <laughs> this one. Um, but religious trauma is something that like, is like one of my personal, like hot button issues. Right. And so mm-hmm. I, I connected with this play at a personal level. Um, this mm-hmm. idea of, you know, the hell house becomes this image that becomes so important. And are you entering into the hell's mouth? Are you supposed to enter into the hell's mouth? How do you deal with what's inside of it? You know, the play is really metaphorical while not being so much so that you don't very much know what's happening, right? It's just really fascinating structure and a really important story. Um, And one that so many of us who were, um, Frankly, if you were raised anywhere that you know what a hell house is, then like this type of story resonates, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, 
Yeah, that's a good one. And I have to give a little shout out to Kira because we went to school together and I was oh, so yeah. excited to see her name on the list. <laughs> and so, oh, so this is something, and this is something I didn't mention when mm-hmm. I was talking about the process, but we read these blind. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's why that's like a happy little coincidence is yeah. like we announced the number. She was like, oh, I know her. Yeah. And like, because we, we don't look at who is writing them until mm-hmm. we've chosen the plays. And so the other thing that, is cool that happened is we ended up with four male and four female playwrights in our top eight and things like that just happened by accident. We're not looking at who they are. We're just looking at the plays. Mm -hmm. And so it was really fun that it so happened that Brashina knew Kira. It was fun that we ended up with mm-hmm. that type of representation across gender, you know, mm-hmm. but you know, those things are happenstance in this process. Um, but it's exciting that those things still happen. So we have two more to go. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. So we have one called The Lobster Man by Jonathan Cook. It is um, a personal favorite genre of mine. It is a dystopian play. We have a little post-apocalyptic action. You gotta <laughs> love it. Um, but it's just a two-hander. It's a man and a woman that meet in this post-apocalyptic world. And they're just kind of trying to carve out a life together you know she is a painter and he's a storyteller and so you know it just kind it kind of has a lot to do with what does art mean in terms of how we do life Mm -hmm. like why you know why are these things so important even in this world where it's just the two of them so it's it's a really interesting story and there are some things in there that i won't spoil but that's the gist of it this post-apocalyptic world in which two people are trying to do life together and art is still such a huge part of that. Hmm. Okay, so the our last one, last but certainly not least, we have Hypotheticals by Rebecca Ann Nguyen and it is a really interesting little play. At, at one level it's kind of rom-com-y. Alright, so it starts out you know, I'm not spoiling anything because it's the very first scene, right? So we have these two people that interact and they have a little romantic moment, right? Well then um, he goes off to his his job, which it turns out is as a psychiatrist um, and then she shows up um, and it, it's her first appointment with no. him as a patient. <laughs> oh yeah. And so it becomes this whole little thing of her. It's like it's work ordered therapy for her. So she's like, I actually no, I I just need this to work so I can go back to work. Like it's a whole thing. Right. So but they like have feelings for each other. So. (laughs) So then you also, though, get to see him interact with his therapist, because when you're a practicing therapist, you also have a therapist. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you get to see this kind of door behind therapy which we don't often get to see which is really interesting Mm -hmm. but then the thing that really you know it's beautifully written the characters are fascinating but the thing that kind of takes it to a a next level for me is that the two main characters the therapist and the woman who he had a romantic moment with but now it's all awkward and weird are both on the spectrum and so he you know part of this whole thing for him is he's like he doesn't think that she knows and how do you, you know, so it's these, Mm. it's this coming together of neurodiversity 
and romance and therapy and just like these different worlds converging in some really fascinating ways. Um, it's, it's really, really cool. So we have some, it, it gives some diversity to our eight in a way that we haven't had before. I'm not sure that we've actually had until now a play that deals with neurodiversity as something at the core of what the play is. I think we've had neurodiverse characters in some of our Epiphanies plays before, um, but not in this way, which is really exciting. Wow. That, that is quite a lineup. <laughs> it is such a lineup of plays. I can't even lie. That's th- those are all like so, so vastly different and interesting and dealing with a breadth of subjects and injecting comedy into really serious subjects and, it's so wow. Um, so that I'm excited for the readings now because I'll yeah. probably be in one or two or all of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, so now they'll go into the reading process, and that's a closed process. Um, it's just for the playwright um, and I think one or two of the Epiphanies team, typically yeah. a dramaturg, um, will be there, and then. Um, creative director Trent or somebody else who represents epiphanies will be there during the reading. Yeah. Um, so that's a closed process. And then we'll announce the winners. Do we have a guesstimate of when we announce? The winners yeah. Or so the all of our, all of our table readings are happening this month. Mm-hmm. And then the playwrights will have a month from their table reading to do any revisions that they want. Um, And like I said before, that can be anything from line edits to like new scenes or anything, whatever they want to do. Right. Mm -hmm. The table readings are simply to serve them. And what I tell the playwrights from the moment that we start conversing and interacting is I'm like, at the end of the day, it's your play. Mm. Right. So like, you know, what's best for your play. So how we choose is not based on how much you change it's just based on what change like do the changes serve your play Mm -hmm. and if that's you changing nothing because it's where it needs to be then like great we're not going to not choose it because you didn't change anything right Mm -hmm. and that's really important because playwrights are used to people expecting changes from them Mm -hmm. um and that's not the goal our goal is to simply create a process in which they can make the play the best that it can be um but so they have a month to revise as much or as little as they want and so based on how the table reading went and any revisions we need to take into consideration we choose four of those eight um and so that'll be announced probably in august because of that month lag time Cool. And then um, when the festival goes up in October, mm-hmm. um, then everybody who comes to see the shows will actually get to vote on who will be the winner. Is. Yeah, we take audience into consideration. Part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> what I was clarifying mm-hmm. because it's not just like an it's not a popularity vote mm-hmm. um, because there are competitions where it is just about the votes, and then it ha- and then what ends up happening is it has to do with what playwright can get the most people there. Um, And we don't want those pressures on it. So the audience reactions is part of it. Um, But it also has to do with, you know, the director and the actors and the creative team and thinking through what's, and part of it becomes about fit too, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, any playwright will tell you that like a lot of about 
having a play produced is about fit with that company. And so we've chosen these eight because we like all eight of them. But once it gets down to four, I mean, sometimes it simply comes down to both of these plays are amazing, but we can only do one. What's a better fit for us? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's why theater is subjective. There's not an objective way to choose what the best play is it's that's just not a thing and so you know but the beauty is that we will have worked with the playwrights for months by that point we'll have seen how the play evolves and plays out in a table reading setting and then a stage reading setting so we'll have a lot of information about what we think is the best choice by then but being a part of the audience and getting to speak into that process is a really cool and fun opportunity that you won't often get to have otherwise yeah and also you just get to see some really cool plays like I cannot wait to see what the four will be and Mm -hmm. I will probably be sitting like front row or I'll be on stage um (laughs) during (laughs) epiphanies because it's so exciting so cool that's epiphanies look out for um uh all of our messaging about epiphanies when we announce the dates and all of that sort of thing and speaking of that Mackenzie can you tell them where they can find us yeah, you can find us and more information on Epiphanies and all these wonderful playwrights and their plays at wildimaginingswaco.com or at Instagram at wildimaginingswaco or at Imagine This Theater Pod or through our wonderful producers, Rogue Media Networks. Cool. So thank you guys so much for talking with us today about Epiphanies. Um, we thank you again for joining us to Imagine This. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.